RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast, always presented by my good friends at Contender Boats. Today we are talking batteries, specifically lithium batteries, uh, Abyss Battery Company to be exact. It's abyssbattery.com and we are talking with Ryan Wiggins, the man in the know. He's uh, joined me recently on one of our radio shows and uh, I think it's going to be a great interview. Looking forward to diving into this whole lithium battery craze. Ryan, how are you today, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, I'm excited. I really am. I think uh, I think you're going to add some light to the lithium world, uh, not only for the listeners, but for me as well. So I want I want to start, uh, like always, a little bit of, try to get a little bit of Abyss battery background. So tell me how the Abyss battery thing started, not only for you, but just kind of, you know, with Nick as a company and all that. Okay. Um, yeah, Nick started the company, I want to say about two and a half years ago. Um, he actually worked for another lithium company straight out of high school, I believe, for about 10 years. Um, another another battery company, and he, he branched off on, on good terms um, to specifically manufacture batteries for the marine environment, and that's dual-purpose batteries and also uh, trolling motor batteries, which is about 90% of our, our sales are, uh, are trolling motor batteries. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I came along. Um, I used to be the uh, dive safety officer at the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, and I was getting ready to take off on my sailboat and uh, try to sail around the world. And uh, a friend of mine said, uh, don't buy any batteries yet. Um, a good friend of mine that I've known for a long time is he started a company and I could probably get you a deal. So, you know, fast forward, I got some of Nick's batteries in the beginning, um, some 12 volt, 300 amp hour, uh, eight D's. And I installed them on my sailboat that powered my oven, my stove, um, my desalination unit and all that stuff. And, you know, he told me when you're done sailing, uh, I wrote some pretty cool blogs and stuff and some instructions, um, for, you know, re- refitting, a, an older sailboat with electronics. And he's like, Hey, when you're done sailing around the world, you know, let me know. And I probably have a sales job or something for you. Well, long story short, we got hit by a tornado at anchor and, uh, the girlfriend couldn't be on the boat anymore. Um, I sold the boat was working for Nick remotely. We started to grow. So I moved back down here to Florida. Um, and, and that's, that's how I got, got here and I'm, I'm in the office to do all the wholesale stuff, tech support, incoming phone calls, all that fun stuff. Okay. So let, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's do, let's do a quick lithium batteries for dummies because I think, I think there's a lot of, and maybe it's just me. <laughs> the listeners might be like, Oh, we all know this stuff already. You're just an idiot. Um, lithium batteries. Why? I mean, what's the, you know, what, what angle are we trying to fill here? What, you know what I'm saying? Can you break it down for me? So it's like lithium batteries for dummies for somebody who just doesn't understand the lithium battery craze. And it's a craze because there's a lot of, there's a lot of companies out there doing it. There's a lot of companies out there doing it wrong. Um, you know, what's the deal? Right. So with, with a lithium battery, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff we give you talk about this for hours, but I mean, the, the main points are going to be size, size and weight and your, your capability is what you can do with a battery. So, I mean, one, one of our 12 volt batteries that weighs 20 pounds has the equivalent capacity of like 
four AGMs. Um, and that's, you know, that's 200 pounds of weight. So if, we, if you start talking about the weight savings, you know, that comes into play with, with smaller boats. For example, one of our guys up here in Tarpon, a friend of ours court runs a, uh, a fly fishing charter. And when removing lead acid batteries from his boat, he was able to put a fourth client on his boat. So that equates to, I don't know what he charges to go out on a fly fishing trip for a full day, but I'm pretty sure it's about 300 to 500 bucks. So every day that he goes out, he's profiting, you know, 400 to $500 by putting another body on his boat. Cause he can, he can get up on the plane now with four, with four passengers where before he could only take three cause of the weight of the lead acid. Sure. So that's just one example of the weight. You know, we, we talk about weight savings a lot with the smaller boats, with the big guys, it doesn't matter. You know, you got four, 400 Verados on your boat, you know, you're going 70 miles an hour saving 200 pounds is, is really no big deal. But for the smaller boats, it's, it's weight savings. When you start talking about the bigger boats, you know, you're, your Freemans, your, your, your 40 foot cats, your 46 foot cats and stuff like that. These guys are running tons of live wells, tons of electronics. Um, some of them have, you know, fancy, so $90,000 sonars, um, which all that stuff is going to require hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of batteries, which might not be a big deal, but it takes up so much space where we can put, you know, one 12 volt, 350 AD on that, on that big boat. And it's enough juice to power all the live wells, the sonars, the, the graphs, whatever you want to call them. In, instead of having, you know, four ADs on there for, for that kind of capacity. Um, so weight savings, the size, the longevity, I mean, a high quality cell is going to run for 8,000 plus cycles. And when I say cycles, I'm talking about, you know, discharge and then recharge. That's a cycle, bring it down, bring it back up. Um, you, you're just not going to get that out of a lead acid or an AGM lead acid guys that run their boats, you know, three, four times a week, they're getting a year out of a lead acid battery, maybe a year and a half, two years out of an AGM battery. Um, whereas the lithium is, is actually going to outlive a lot of the ownership of these, these boat owners are going to have their battery for longer than they're going to have their boat. Most guys don't keep their boat for, for 10 or 15 years, you know? Right. Right. So, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in this industry. You know, you, you mentioned that there's a, there's a lot of companies popping up. It's a, it's a booming, it, it, it's growing. You know, the, the numbers are huge of, of how much, you know, lithium is being incorporated into, into the world. And there's a lot of companies that are basically selling the same, the same stuff with different stickers on it. Um, and you'll see there's only a few companies out there that are really, are really hitting the, 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 the technology and, and really trying to drive um, the battery industry further and make high quality, high, higher quality batteries. And, and we're one of those, you know, when you, when you open up our batteries, the, all the cells are held together with nickel and stainless steel and an exoskeleton and the, the computer inside of the battery called the BMS, the battery management system is actually mounted on top of the battery array with stainless steel brackets. And we have rubber bushings that are active shock absorbers for, for those, that computer equipment basically that's inside of the battery. Um, and we're the only battery I know of that, that does that. And, you know, we designed the batteries to keep in mind, like when I talk to the guys at contender, I talk to the guys at sea hunter and they're like, Hey, you know, we, our boats go 85 miles an hour. We need, we need batteries that are going to be able to support, you know, 85 mile an hour boat. And that's, that's why we do things the way that we do internally is so that, you know, you can go out and you, you can beat up the battery and abuse it and not have to worry about breaking something loose. And, and that, that's a concern when you, when you go with, you know, what I call mid grade batteries, the way they're constructed internally. You know, there's little foam spacers and they glue the BMS to the batteries. Like you're not going to get 10 years of use out of a, a $600 lithium battery that's been glued together internally. Right. Interesting. Especially when you're doing 80 miles an hour across big water. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know who, who, who's doing 80 miles an hour in their Freemans anyway. You know, they're cruising at 50 miles an hour trying to trying to get that one one mile per gallon mark. <laughs> right. so, but well, I tell you who's doing it is your Kingfish tournament guys. Those are the guys yeah. that that are that are really going to want to experience the value because they are doing 60, 70 miles an hour in in you know big water to get where they need to get because they're fishing for fifty thousand dollars. So. You know, there's right. there's times the guys. When, yeah, there's times when that game Sorry. gets a little serious. No, you're right. There's just times when that game gets pretty serious on the water. Yeah, and those kingfishermen, those are the guys that are utilizing we have those smaller um, kite reel batteries and electric reel batteries. Um, those those kite fishermen are really enjoying the the small one. Um, we have it's a little five amp hour battery that plugs directly into the electric reel, you know, so they can bring the uh, they can bring the kites back in and stuff with oh. the use of an electric reel without without having to use a car battery and a bunch of wires. Yeah, I want to talk about that for sure. That's on my notes here to 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 talk about, you know, obviously, you know, trolling motors and and you know, twelve volt marine batteries and all that stuff is is kind of what everybody thinks about. But when, when I was first talking to Nick and he was telling me about this electric fishing reel battery, lithium battery for the, for the electric reels, I thought, really? I mean, what? And then the more you think about it, the more if you've ever been on a boat where you've got a giant battery sitting on the floor that you're constantly kicking and busting your toes on, extra cables running from your reels to the battery on the floor. I mean, it's just a nightmare. And when you go to the website, abyssbattery.com, and you see what they've managed to do with this electric fishing reel battery, it's mind-blowing. I was so blown away in my first meeting with Nick. Obviously, you know, a lot of companies, again, everybody's coming at you, lithium batteries, lithium batteries. But when you put all of the pieces of this puzzle together, you could kind of start to see why Abyss and Nick were doing it at just a different level. Already have an app so you can get the readings on your batteries through the app, which I think is genius. It's kind of a... I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer now, but there isn't very many people doing it but Abyss. Um, and then the electric fishing reel thing was just mind-blowing. When he brought that thing to me, I thought, dude, this guy is, he must like wake up in the middle of the night and just have a pad of paper by the side of the bed and go, dude, I just dreamt this. I think we can pull it off. I mean, that's crazy. Right, yeah, they're, they're really cool batteries. Um, and I'll be, to be totally honest with you, historically, like, it, it, it wasn't invented here. So Daiwa actually had some external batteries, you know, five, six years ago, maybe even more when they were, when they were selling more stuff. And, um, they weren't using lithium iron phosphate, which is the chemistry that we use. They were using uh, a little bit more of a dangerous uh, chemistry. Um, and then the batteries weren't as high of quality. They got out of it for uh, probably because it's a pain in the butt to import and export, um, batteries. Um, I believe Daiwa, I forget where they're out of, but they're, they're definitely over in Asia somewhere. Yeah. Um, but they got out of the business. So there was like a big gap in the market for a while. You, you can find some cheaper stuff on Amazon. There's some companies that make like little square boxes and batteries that you can plug in. But as far as I know, we're the only ones that are making an external real battery with top of the line lithium iron phosphate cells inside. And they're the same cells that we actually put in our larger batteries. So these things, I got a, a charter down in the keys that completely removed all of their electric reel, all the wires that were hardwired in. They pulled out multiple car batteries and they switched over to using our batteries with their clients on the reels. And they're doing two trips a day. These guys are catching grouper, you know, just in a couple hundred feet, but they're doing two trips a day on one charge. And they're calling me saying, Hey, you were right. This thing's still at 70%. It's been going all day pulling up groupers, you know, snappers and stuff. Um, and the cool part is they charge up in like an hour. They, they charge super fast, which is fun. 
but as, as back to the, the app though, if I could real quick, the, there's, there's a bunch of companies out there doing, you know, Bluetooth connectivity to batteries, not a big deal. And in, in the future, the ABYC is going to require Bluetooth communication with, from the battery to the user. It's in, it's in the, the chapter T13 or whatever it is in the ABYC documents. So that's going to be, that's going to be more mainstream in the future, probably about 2025, 2026. But what's cool about our app and what we're doing here is one of the things we were going to put a server in the office, but we decided to do a little bit different. So we're going to be actually gathering data voluntarily from the users into a cloud. So when you buy a battery from us and you install the app, it's going to ask you like, Hey, are you willing to, you know, donate your data to us um, anonymously um, so that we can use it for further research. So you're going to input what, how big your boat is, what motor you have, what trolling motor you have. And it's going to take all that data and the usage and what the battery is actually doing. You know, if it's a dual purpose, 12 volt battery powering your Mercury Dorado 400 or your Yamaha 300, it's going to take all that data and send it to us so we can put out schematics and, and do a little bit more research onto how these motors are actually performing you know, with the constant 14 volts that we provide, you know, with no, no voltage drop with 1500 cranking amp standard and 12 volt battery. So we can give that data to Yamaha, Suzuki, you know, whoever, whoever wants to use it to, to work with us to, to further, you know, further their products as well as ours. Right, right now we're programmed to work with everything. Our batteries work with all the outboards. I don't care what the owner's manual say. We literally designed the computers inside the batteries to work with these motors, the alternators and the stators. So other batteries can't say the same. But I just wanted to share that because well, it's, it's going to be pretty cool. When we're getting all that data and get to see what everyone's doing. And, and so, and, and I love chatting with you, Ryan, because your knowledge is just sick on this whole lithium thing, and, and mine isn't. I just dig it. So, and, and maybe this isn't a great question, but it's just so. So, what's the fear factor? So, for the listeners. There's a fear factor out there. When, when Ryan says in the owner's manual, you know, he didn't care what the owner, owner's manual says, that's because in some of the owner's manuals for some of your big motor companies, they're telling you in the owner's manual, do not use lithium batteries for your starting battery. Doesn't say anything about your trolling motors, but it says, obviously, but it says, you know, if you're, we want you to use a different battery for your other than lithium. Wh- why is that? What is there? What is the fear? What is the issue right there? I mean, what's the hurdle that we we have to get them over to get this to make sense for everybody across the board? So there's a couple things going on there. Uh, one, there was a Supreme Court case about two years ago. Um, there were some motor companies out there that were saying, you know, if you use a lithium battery, you void the warranty on the on our motors. Um, so this, after the court case and stuff, it's now you can't do that. It's against the law to void a warranty on a product that didn't cause any damage. And if you, if you can prove that it caused damage, that's a different story. But a lot of that was going on as well because um, there was a purchase going on uh, with Brunswick Corporation and um, uh, rely on batteries. So Brunswick owns Mercury Motors, they own another battery company, a whole bunch of stuff, and they actually purchased rely on batteries. Um, and they, they came back out and said they released it's okay to use, you know, rely on batteries. And then they came back and said, okay, it's, it's okay to use lithium batteries, just make sure that they're you know, they're designed to be used with outboards. And there's something to be said there because like we program our batteries specifically to work with outboards. Um, not everyone else does. A lot of these batteries that you can buy, they don't have a BMS that's programmed to run off of an outboard alternator or an outboard stator. You know, they can put out 70 amps, you know, they're 14.5 volts coming off of the, coming off the alternator and stator and stuff like that. And then you can start talking about Yamaha. Yamaha used to say no AGMs, you know, for years, lead acid only. And that's because 
Yamaha used to make their motors and their ECU inside work off of a lower voltage than what the battery is starting with because there's so much draw off of the lead acid battery just by starting the motor and it takes so long to charge up that they needed to, they needed the motor to actually function at a little bit of a lower voltage than what you would, you would have coming off of a lead acid battery or an AGM battery right, right off the bat. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So, so there's a lot of people that talk about like fire, like lithium equals fire and stuff like that. And this has been, I mean, this is just like a social media nightmare for me on a daily basis. The thing <laughs> is, is, is yeah. If you, if you throw a lithium battery into a campfire, it, it, it's really hard to put out, you know, and that's just lithium in general. But when you're talking about a standalone lithium battery, like ours, you know, the 36, 24, 12 volts, they can't catch fire on their own. Um, and that being is, that's because inside the battery, there's actually a whole bunch of little batteries. Each one of those little tiny batteries inside that's wired together in a series parallel configuration has the ability to physically disconnect itself from the circuit should it reach an internal temperature of 160 degrees Fahrenheit, which would be like the start of what we call a thermal runaway. Um, because lithium, if it gets out of whack, it can just keep getting hot, 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 and then burst into flames, right? But it has to have a constant voltage. It has to have electricity going to that in order for it to happen. So each one of those little cells can disconnect themselves. Pretty much the safest batteries out there. They're safe. I mean, I've seen lead acid batteries blow up. I went to automotive school when I was younger, you know, and AGMs outgas, toxic gas, if you overcharge them. I've personally done that myself in my sailboat. The lithium batteries are protected by the computer inside, which is called the BMS, that will protect you from over voltage, will protect you from under voltage or charging at too high of a temperature and stuff like that. So I actually attended an online symposium with the Coast Guard and the ABYC recently, and they were tasked with trying to replicate all of the major boat fires where lithium was involved. And not a single one of those cases was proven that the battery was at fault. It's been chargers and it's been bad wiring. So interesting. There's a there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, people these guys are that living on sailboats. They're they're buying stuff from China. They're wiring it up themselves they're doing, you know, buying aftermarket BMS and they're, they're having boat fires, um, in the marinas, these liveaboard guys. And it's, yeah, I mean, again, you're going back to, to bad wiring and stuff. These guys aren't marine electricians. Um, they're using a lot of times they're buying what is called like a grade a cell. That's a red flag to me, by the way, you see any company that's selling something that says grade a cell, that's a fake term. Talk to any lithium engineers. That's not real. That's, that's China trying to sell you something. And they've actually, caught some people over in China that are selling these grade A cells that are actually recycled from electric Chinese city buses. So they only use these prismatic cells for a couple of years. They, you know, they sell them off, they're refurbished, tested, and then they sell these, these individual cells as grade A cells. So these guys are doing it themselves with, with batteries that have already been used in city buses in China for years and been cycled thousands of times. So, it's a, it's an, an interesting thing when you're dealing with the, uh, the overseas folks, yeah. there's, there's always a little gray area when we start talking about honesty. Chinese. I'm still mad at them for the whole COVID thing. So they're on my list. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, good stuff. Let, let, let's talk warranty. Okay. If somebody's thinking, okay, well, you know what? You know, Mike's a believer. We like Mike usually sends us down a good road. And I was thinking about this the other day. What, what's the warranty situation if, if, you know, somebody's like, I want to try this. You know, they have some issues for whatever reason. All products do. Um, you know, what's the warranty situation with a BIS battery? Um, so we try to stay pretty competitive with, with everyone out there. Um, 
on the on the market. We do we cover the battery for ten years basically, but we'll, we do five years like basically a no questions asked return policy. So if your battery fails in any way in five years, we're going to replace it. And I, you know, I, I ship a battery out to somebody, you know, they put the old one in a box and they ship it back. Um, so we get, we try to get it taken care of as soon as possible. Um, luckily that's not a big thing for us. You know, out of the thousands of batteries that we put out there, we don't have, we haven't hardly have any that have come back. And after, you know, getting the batteries back, testing them, figure out what was going on out of the batteries that I've actually had back about 75% of those were user error or, uh, an issue with a, a powerful charge unit, gotcha. um, and software and stuff. So there, there's a couple of things that go into play there, but, um, but yeah, we cover, you know, five years return, no questions asked, free replacement. And then, um, after that, if the battery completely, you know, needs to be replaced, um, we'll, we'll prorate the battery, uh, a new replacement battery. Okay. Cool. Um, but I mean, I'm one of those guys, like if you call me and you don't need a battery, like today, if your battery goes bad or something, like I, I'll, I'll kind of want to have that battery back and see if it's something that maybe we can repair. You know, if, if you only dropped a couple cells and it's replaceable or it, a lot of times, most of the time it's going to be a programming error or something happened. We just need to flash the, the Bluetooth, you know, a lot of these problems you can fix by just draining the battery completely, disconnecting it, plugging it back into the charger. And after a complete drain and bringing it back up, the DMS actually resets itself, reflashes the memory inside the software, and so it boots back up like it's a brand new battery. Okay. So there's some funny things that can happen when you're dealing with Bluetooth because it is a it's an older technology. It is a low frequency radio wave. Um, so you know, Bluetooth is it is what it is. Yeah, I got you. Very cool. All right. So Abyss Battery, abyssbattery.com. I'm a big believer. I'm a big fan of what you and Nick and the whole team's doing over there. So um, that's cool. I got I got to tell you, we, you know, we had you in on the radio show. I, I just, I was disappointed when I left because I wish the show was like four hours long because there was so much stuff we talked about after the show that would have been just great content. Um, yeah, so, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I want to talk a little bit about just some, some questions I ask everybody, uh, that, that I do a podcast with just to kind of get a vibe from everybody a little bit. So if there was one place, let's say you were going fishing, um, and somebody said, listen, you can go to one place to fish for the rest of your life. You can fish there often, but it's the only place you can ever fish again in your life. Where would it be and why? one place to fish for the rest of my life. Are we talking pole fishing? Are we talking spear fishing? You know, I'm a spear fishing guy. <laughs> I know you're a spear fishing guy. I figured for some reason I was, when it came out of my mouth, I'm like, he's going to make this more complicated for me. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's start, let's start with pole fishing and then we'll get to the spear fishing. Pole fishing. Um, you know, growing up, my uncle had a, a hatteras down in, um, down in Mexico in Wymas, uh, San Carlos, Mexico. And, you know, we consistently go out and just hammer, hammer fish, like, you know, El Dolphino, Mahi Mahi, whatever you want to call them. Um, that's, that's probably where I'd want to go for, um, for the, for the rest of my life. I want to do pole fishing, but it's, a lot of that's also because I love Mexican street food and tacos and I grew up in the <laughs> desert. Um, now for talking spear fishing, I'd say right, right here, right here in Clearwater, the Gulf, you know, we got the, we got the middle grounds, 70 miles away with one of the healthiest reef systems around, you know, beautiful, healthy fish, healthy coral, healthy sharks. There's a lot of stuff to, to get down there and, and shoot and come back up safely and go home, you know, with 20 pounds of fresh fish, even, even inshore around here. Like there's a, a metric buttload of mangrove snappers, sheep's head, cobia come in and out. You know, I see cobia all the time when I'm down there, especially at safety stops. Once the sandbar sharks show up, 
I love shooting cobia. So, yeah, it's either Wyoming, Mexico, or Clearwater, Florida. So, and, and, and do you do a lot of your, are you a lot of just, are you a free diver at all or just a lot of, you know, regular tank dives? No, I'm not much of a free diver. I can. It's just, uh, I'm a, a scuba instructor and I taught spear fishing for a while. You know, we do it out here on scuba. Um, you know, most of the spots that we're hitting are in between 60 and 90 feet deep on ledges where the visibility is 10 to 15 feet, um, on average. Um, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, free diving 80 feet with 10 foot visibility and being successful, but I, I like the tank fishing, the tank, tank shooting, if you will. We get to spend, you know, half an hour down there and identify the fish. When I teach someone how to spear fish in the Gulf, I teach them fish identification, not just, uh, you know, the fish, but also the sex of the fish. I teach them to pay attention to what's going on, you know, biologically. If you see like 15 female hogfish cruising around the sand and they feel safe, you know, hang out for a minute. There's a reason they feel safe. You're probably going to see a big male cruising by and being that there's a healthy female population, when we take the life of that male and harvest them from the sea, one of those females is going to transition into a male and replace that, you know, that, that missing link. So just little stuff like that, you know, spending more time down there, identifying your fish, choosing a good one, paying attention to the environment. That's, that's really what I'm about. Um, you know, guys give us stuff, they give us crap because they're like, Oh, you're going down there with a, with a, on scuba, that's not fair, you know, and they think we're like Wyatt Earp or something with two pistols in our hands, blasting everything that moves, and it's not the case. Wyatt um, Earp, I love it. Actually, it's funny that you say that, because that's my big complaint. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that everyone is paying as much attention as you are. I'm not saying they're not, but right. you have to admit that, you know, I got to believe that, you know, you could sit down there on the right piece and be like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, you're the one. I don't know how many people are that great. at. And again, in my opinion, if you could spread that knowledge, the more we could get that word out there so that because I don't want obviously spearfishing's a sport and, and people have a right to do it. Um, I just think to me that would be a key was if you could teach people to do that more, if we could do more of that you know, teaching them to be selective uh, for the benefit of the fishery in the future, to me that would be a great addition to that particular sport. And I'm not sure, I'm not that close to that sport. Maybe there's more of that going on than I'm aware of. Um, But, you know, to me that's always been one of my big complaints about that scene. Not that I'm against it, because I'm not, but my complaint is that, you know, that, that you got to you got to fight on a, on a rod and reel. I got to fight the biggest gag. If if I'm lucky enough to get him to eat, I got to get him out of the rocks and get him to the boat. That's not easy to do. If you're down there with a gun, and I'm not saying it's easy to shoot fish because I've never done it. I'm sure it's I'm sure there's technique to it. And there's people that are better at it than others. So I'm not not downplaying the ability of someone to go down there and do that. I know it's not easy, but once you get proficient at it and going down there and then. You know, I want the biggest fish on that piece to me would be, you know, would be something that would become a problem, you know. So I I love your idea of teaching that. I really do. I think that's fantastic. Well, to be honest, the guys, you know, I don't like to teach spearfishing unless they've got 50 dives under their belt. You got to be comfortable in the water and you got to know your equipment and stuff, you know, so you're not flailing around chasing fish, chasing after fish and stuff like that. But as far as like the fish go, like you're never going to shoot a huge gag grouper if you, if you're not paying attention to the environment around you. 
or you're, you're not like, you don't know what you're doing. You're not going to put, you know, brand new divers into the ocean and have them come up with, you know, a 35 inch gag grouper because the gags are smart. Like they're smart. They change colors instantly. They hang out in the sand. They change to white. You can almost, you know, barely see them. They're attracted to certain movement. Other movements scare them away. Bubbles startle everything. It's harder to get closer to fish when you're on scuba, especially if you're down there breathing like a Guggen blowing through your tank. So, <laughs> but I mean, we all do that. All of us over, I used to work for two shades in Clearwater and you know, everyone that I've met, you know, spear fishing and stuff is they're all, I want to say ethical. I haven't, I haven't really met any unethical spear fishermen. I, I know tons of guys and I go out all the time with guys That'll say, yeah, I saw a great hog down there. Just, you know, it wasn't quite big enough, so I let him go. I got you. That's good to hear. That's good to so, hear. I don't know that. I, think I don't spend that much time in that environment. You know, I know some spear fishermen, right. but I don't spend that much time with them. So to hear it from a guy like you that spends a ton of time with them, that's good. That's good to hear. We need, you know, in, in every group, I don't care what group it is, whether it's the, you know, commercial the commercial fishermen group, the, you know, the offshore guys, the inshore guys, the fly, every group has their turds if you will you know the the knuckleheads that make us all look bad so i'm sure there's bad ones in the dive community as well of course um, but you know normally in the outdoor world the outdoorsmen in general are much more cognizant of that than any other groups you know they just we just are deer hunters too you know we just you tend to the, for the majority are paying attention to the environment and and what they harvest and how they harvest and all that. So, let me ask you this: What's the coolest fish you've ever caught, on or on or on reel? Let's let's we'll slide over to your other crazy side here in a minute. Coolest fish I've ever like personally. Yeah, your personal your favorite fish that you've ever caught. Coolest thing you've ever caught. So when I was in the Navy, um, you know, I worked on the minesweepers and I had this sea chest in the middle of the minesweeper where I'd lowered my sonar out and just, you, you open this thing up and you're, you're staring at the ocean and I'm in a, a secret compartment. No one's allowed in. So I'd be in there working and I'd have my fishing pole in there coming out of the bottom of the naval vessel and I catch stuff in the bay. This is in Bahrain. And I caught some crazy looking fish. I have no idea what they were, <laughs> but I caught this silver thing that looked like it should be in some aliens versus predator movie. It had stuff coming off of its head and its bottom. That's probably the coolest fish I ever caught. Didn't eat it. No idea what it was. I think I caught it on a piece of a hot dog from the, from the mess decks. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I've witnessed my uncles catch some pretty cool Marlin, um, some big fish, some billfish. They were, they were big, uh, trophy, trophy fishermen back in the eighties and eighties and nineties. Uh, you know, Cabo, uh, Limus and, uh, yeah, as far as pole fishing goes. I caught some trout up in Colorado with a fly rod once. That was cool. Yeah, what uh, What about with a spear gun? <laughs> what about with a spear gun? Uh, spear gun. Um, I don't know about the coolest fish, but I, I really, really enjoy, um, you know, when we get a bunch of sharks in and the cobia show up with them and then harvesting a, a cobia off of a shark right in front of them because they're like, what just happened? And it makes it really easy because the cobia aren't paying attention to you. They're paying attention to the shark, waiting for the shark to eat something so they can try to steal its food. Um, but I like shooting cobia because they have a real big target. You know, like we, you know, like I'd say our our alpha zone in practical shooting. That 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 ten point center ring is really big on a cobia. If you're above them, you can push a you know push a shaft through their head, and you hit their their brain, which is connected to their their respiratory system and their heart basically is all right there in the top of their head towards the back. So it makes her a pretty easy shot. Um, and you want to make sure you get a good shot on a cobia because, you know, wrestling a, 
a 50 pound Kobe is like wrestling a 200 pound dude. Um, <laughs> so you want to, you want to make sure you, you get him in the goodies. You know, I think Kobe are my favorite to shoot and they're also my favorite to eat. That's uh that's hysterical. I, it troubles me so much. Um, in just now the couple times you and I have sat down and talked that, you might just be one of the more twisted human beings I know because not every time am I in a conversation where somebody's like, I really like it when I'm down and the sharks come in. I'm like, what? Like the minute, like that, that whole conversation dude just doesn't, doesn't, it just doesn't go together well. Like it doesn't flow for me. Okay. Like that's just troubling, bro. Like you're a little twisted. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I, don't know. I think it's pretty common in, in the scuba industry. You go out on a dive boat, you know, if I'm doing a safety brief and I'm explaining the dive site and I'm like, Hey, who wants to see a shark? Like everyone raises their hand, you know, but in the spearfishing community, it's a little bit different because sharks, they, you know, they make people scared. They, they, uh, you take a 230 pound bodybuilding male jacked up on testosterone. You put a little six foot female sandbar shark in front of him and he pees his pants and starts swimming <laughs> towards the surface. And it's just a lot of this instilled fear. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I learned by myself when I was doing commercial spearfishing and now it's having, you know, 12, 13 foot great hammerheads show up and they're like in between my legs, you know, like checking me out. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh my God. And your, your soul exits your body. You know, the first time you see that happen. But then once you realize that they're just, curious you know they're, they're curious of what i'm doing you know I, I i started to like them and i started to be more comfortable with their presence and then i noticed that when i'm dropping them to different spots when the bigger healthier sharks you see is it, it's a direct directly relates to the health of the, the reef the, the healthiest reefs out there like the middle grounds you know they got they got the big bull sharks they got the big lemons and stuff they got tons of sandbar sharks they're out there they're eating the diseased hogfish they're eating the weaker fish and it's driving the population of all the other fish to, to reproduce in a healthy manner with, you know, the big healthy males and females that are surviving, you know, um, out there avoiding the sharks. Every fish in the ocean has evolved for what, 300, 400 million years to specifically avoid sharks, the camouflage, the color change, you know, the breeding patterns, all that stuff. It, so, you, I don't know. I like him. Yeah. But. You, my friend are an interesting cat. I, uh, I, I just, <laughs> I am going to enjoy this partnership with Abyss Batteries so much. Just getting to pick uh, you. I'm not supposed to talk about sharks too much, though. You're supposed to, you're supposed to quiet me down when I start talking about sharks. No, it's all good, dude. I love your passion for it, dude. I really do. You're, you're a passionate cat with the batteries, you know, with the diving, with the sharks, all that stuff, man. So, listen, I know you guys are busy over there. AbyssBattery.com is the website, the phone number is one 719 1727 That's 855-719-1727. Uh, they're located right here in Largo, Florida. So it's a local company here. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, uh, Nick and his team are killing it over there at Abyss Batteries. And, and Ryan, it's it's truly a pleasure to talk to you, bro. I enjoyed the radio show. Enjoyed doing the podcast. And, and again, thanks for your time, brother. Uh, we'll do it again soon. And uh, wishing you and, and everyone in your world a, a great weekend coming up, partner. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Let's go shoot some clay pigeons soon. I, I'm in. We're going to get that done. I promise you. You and I, that's the other thing. We didn't even get into your gun, your gun thing. You got a whole crazy gun thing going too. We got to, we may have to do a whole nother podcast with you just on sharks and guns. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I'm going to get in trouble. No, it's all good. Yeah. We're both probably going to get in trouble, Ryan. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I appreciate you, brother. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Wow, I really hope you enjoyed that podcast. 
Ryan Wiggins at Biss Batteries. He is a neat, neat cat. I, I think I could probably do another two, at least two more podcasts with that guy. He's into some really cool stuff. Obviously, the sharks, and uh, you know, he lived on a sailboat for a while and was sailing around the world. And he was an underwater demolition guy in the Navy in Bahrain. <laughs> There's some. He's just a neat guy. We had him on the radio show and just talked for hours after the radio show because he's just a a super, super cool guy. Abyssbattery.com is the website. Again, the phone number is 1-855-719-1727, located here in Largo, Florida, real close to my uh, Real Animals headquarters. Just super good people doing 12-volt marine batteries, trolling motor batteries, electric fishing reel batteries, and in my opinion, they're doing it at just a higher level. Super excited to have those guys partnered up with me and, and Ryan's knowledge of the product and understanding lithium and all that. That's all stuff that you know is really new to me, and I'm not that that techie a dude. So it's interesting to me to, to try to figure out how all these things work. So we certainly hope you enjoyed that part of the podcast. Uh, again, Ryan's a great guy. Nick Vasileros over there at Abyss Battery doing a great job. Make sure you check them out. I uh, want to thank Gills Apparel and Contender Boats again. You know, just great to have those guys as, as partners here on the Real Animals Podcast. The Real Animals Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, ritampabay.com, and Spotify. Remember, it's super important to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps us out. We're trying our best to get out new podcasts, new content every Tuesday, every other Tuesday, I should say, every other Tuesday. Uh, It gets a little tough as fishing picks up here um, with my schedule, shooting shows and all that, but that's our goal, and and Radio Influence does a great job trying to make that happen for us, so you should be able to expect them to come to you every other Tuesday. Again, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Animals Podcast as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Have a great day, and thank you so much for listening.